Welcome back, First Issue Club members. I almost forgot what podcast I was hosting there for a minute. It's First Issue Club. It's me, Greg. Hi, and I'm Mike. And we're here to talk to you about First Issues, the best issues in our opinion. Uh, the comic book world is muddy and murky. We go over that every uh, every week. You know the deal. Uh, why are we here, you ask? Well, we're here to help you through that muddy and murky landscape because um, comic books can be hard sometimes. Indeed they can. And we don't want them to be hard. We want them to be welcoming and accessible and fun. Yeah. And that's why we started this podcast, and that's why it's been going for almost four years now? God, that sounds about right. Ugh. When I started this podcast, I was a young man with hopes and dreams, and now I'm just an old man with hopes and dreams. I had no pubic hair when we started, and it has grown great and fallen out again by today. Yeah, you, were, you lived, you died, and you've been reborn. Mm-hmm. You're Mike D2. I'll turn to dirt, become worm shit, and this will mean nothing. <laughs> We're glad you're here. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to be here. Before we get into the episode where we cover three Jokers, and we have a very special interview at the v- at the end with our good friend Zach Quaintens, who has a new Kickstarter comic book coming out called Next Door, uh, we have to cover some comic book news, some good, some bad, and some, huh? Isn't it just like every week? It's every week, man. It never stops. Um, we would be remiss if we didn't start with this tragic, tragic news this weekend. Right. Chadwick Boseman, who most recognizably for our nerd podcast played Black Panther, right? T'Challa, uh, passed away from stage four colon cancer. Terrible. I had no idea. I don't think anyone had yeah. any idea. It was crazy thinking about all the interviews and things I'd seen him in recently. And being like, man, he knew during that. He he knew. He recorded Black Panther, Infinity War, Endgame, so many other movies while battling cancer, while doing chemotherapy, while going through surgeries. Like, what a fucking champion. Yeah. That dude is like the epitome of just a class act hoss of a person just wanting to get it done. Strong guy, great actor. It was crazy. I was watching baseball games mm-hmm. when I heard the news, mm-hmm. and it was, of course, Jackie Robinson Day. Yes, it was. All the players are wearing number 42, so just, like, so weird for that news to come on and to, like, hear even the baseball announcers and the game I was watching talk about him just chills. And another chilling point to that day, it was actually Jack Kirby's 103rd birthday. You know what? I saw that recently. And I didn't was, know it was that same He was day. a co-creator with Stan Lee of right. Black Panther. Like, what just strange circumstances. Do you know if any other... Well, let me say first, I hope it's not too early to have this conversation. You know what I'm going to say, because I think it's entered a lot of comic book fans' minds. I'm sure it has. There's never a good time, but yeah, we're here. Did they have anything in production already? Were there plans for another Black Panther movie? It's such a huge franchise mm-hmm. now, even though they've only done you know a movie. Right. It seems just like a massive franchise that people are going to want to see more movies for. And it seems like, I don't think it would do honor to like how important that movie was to people to mm-hmm. just say, okay, bye. The, the cultural impact that he had on the acting community and right. the, the character of Black Panther in, in comic books and movies is undeniable. Right. 
I'm sure there was conversations had. Uh, there's no legal reason Chadwick has to talk to any Marvel exec and explain his medical situation. Right. I'm sure he did. Sure. To say, hey, you know what? I'm really sick. Right. Like, it's. we thought we could beat this thing. We thought we could do these surgeries. It's not getting better. I think he probably would have been like, I'm, I'm not coming back. Right. So... I'm sure they've had to rearrange how they're going to do the next few movies now. And, uh, I mean, that just makes sense. It does. I think, you know, this is something that's happened in the comic books. Mm -hmm. And Shuri is a character that we already know and love. Yes. She could take up the mantle of Black Panther and they could explain away T'Challa's death and maybe even have, like, a moment in the movie that's, like, a nod to, like, I think how that, great he was. I think right? that'd be the perfect way to do it to try to recast such a pivotal actor in mm -hmm. in this role would seem uh, wrong in my eyes. Into a movie that I think was so culturally needed to have a black lead mm -hmm. in a huge, huge action movie mm -hmm. to finally have a black female lead in just like a mega blockbuster action movie, right? Would be incredible. It'd be incredible. I. I'm sure those talks are happening now. Um, it's going to be different without Chadwick, yeah. for sure. But to have him for the times that we did was immeasurable. It was amazing. And he will be missed <laughs> on a level that I can't even explain. He's He played Black Panther, a superhero, and then he turned around and played real-life superheroes with Jackie Robinson and Thurgood Marshall. Like, the, the guy had acting chops that couldn't be stopped. Yeah. So, um Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Thank you for everything that you've done. If you can hear us, we really appreciate it. Rest in power. Moving on to some huh news. Mike, have you ever Fortnited? I have not. I tried one time and got my ass handed to me by a 13-year-old. <laughs> Just And I had headphones on, which is a mistake. If you play those games online, don't put headphones on because people will yell at you and curse at you and call you terrible, terrible names, and they can't even drive yet. So I've Fortnited once, not my cup of tea. However, Marvel has teamed up with Fortnite to put Marvel characters into the game of Fortnite. You yeah. got Storm, Cable, Wolverine. She-Hulk. She-Hulk, Silver Surfer, Groot, so many others. Yep. Now that's fine. Okay, they could have stopped there. They went further. There is a comic on Comicology. It's free to download. Donny Cates wrote it. Oh. That makes Fortnite canon in the Marvel Universe. Oh, my God. It's called, like, I think it's called the Nexus War. And basically it follows Thor and Galactus in, like, kind of a in-between issue of, like, Thor's Donny Cates run right now. Yeah. And, like, I think Fortnite is, like, an alternate planet or dimension or something, and they get sucked up into this Fortnite-averse. Oh, my God. Which I hate. <laughs> like, it was fun. Yeah, okay, put some Marvel characters in the Fortnite game. Two major properties that are hot, hot, hot. Yeah. Let's make a little money. Don't fucking make it canon. What is wrong <laughs> with you? What a bonehead move. It is a weird move. But at least it's like a free thing that's separate from everything else. You know what I mean? Sure. It's sure. more than anything a fun nod, right? And like, do you think this will get kids into reading comics? No. I don't know. The who is this for question isn't asked enough when it comes to comic books. This is for people who read comic books that aren't playing Fortnite. 
and are just like, oh, my favorite superheroes in this game How now. How do I get into this? Oh, it's a free download? Might as well. Boom. They got you. I uh, saw that there was a handful of Fortnite variant covers coming out. Yeah, I did, I did too. They didn't necessarily look particularly Fortnite-y. They just looked like, you know, normal superheroes doing their own thing. Yeah, I'll give Marvel credit here. The variants aren't overtly yeah. corny. Now, they might slap a huge Fortnite logo on them. Oh, cool. I haven't seen the like trade dress. Oh, gotcha. Of them. So I know that I'm like, assuming that's coming. Some of the characters from Fortnite, which I know there was characters from Fortnite, are like on the covers with the Marvel superheroes as uh, well. Oh, okay. Like one of them's like a piñata or something. If you play Fortnite and I am irritating you right now, I'm sorry. I yeah, I'm probably the last person who should be speaking to this cuz I've got no clue. Yeah, I play Tetris. <laughs> that's the only video game I play. That in the microwave. So, yeah. Cool idea. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. If you're into it, cool. Moving on to the good news. Oh, Louie. Louie is here. A visit from the mascot. Hey, bud. He's trying to come across the table to visit Greg. The first issue club puppy has made his appearance in the studio. Smiling, smiling, smiling. Bye. (laughs) Nice to see you. All right. Now on to the good news. All right. We once again have been nominated... For Best Podcast Podcast in Kansas Kansas City! City. Congratulations, Greg. Wow, congratulations, Mike. Thank you. This uh, is a huge honor for us. We won in 2018. It was a shock to us to be nominated again in the year 2020, the year of the Satan. (laughs) It said, oh, it makes sense. I think the podcast demon probably helped us out here. Undeniably. I've given him so much blood. We've sacrificed countless goats. Mm -hmm. Countless. So, yeah, um... We're going to post links on all our social media. You can go and vote for us on thepitch.com for best local podcast in Kansas City. Uh, we would greatly appreciate your vote. Thank you for voting us into the nomination phase. Uh, yeah. It's it's very much appreciated. Yeah, thanks so much for getting us on the list, everybody. Even if you don't live in KC, do it. sneak a vote in for us. Just because you don't live here doesn't mean you don't think we're the best local <laughs> Kansas City podcast. That's the workaround. In none of the rules does it say, I live in Kansas City. If you live off in Europe and you think, man, those guys are really good. Like, I'll listen to other Kansas City podcasts, and you listen to them, and they're crap. Of course you're going to vote for us. Yeah. When I was first looking through the list of things you can vote for today, I was like, podcasts seem like they should be higher on the list. I agree. It was like, best dent in a street sign. There's, like, everything in Kansas City is, like, nominated. Well, have you seen that dent on 5th and Marion? Oh, my God. Beautiful dent. Stunning. Stunning dent. But I agree. <laughs> it looks like a dick in the right light. <laughs> in the autumn uh, evening mm-hmm. light. Yeah, I agree. I always roll past that sign. Um, <laughs> why is it so far down the list? I don't know. I think it should be number one, but I didn't make the list. I just got on it. Yep. So we'll post links. Uh, we're very excited about it. Uh, you'll be hearing about it for the next month because... Uh, you can no longer vote for it on September 30th, so... Yeah, we might remind you a couple times. Get ready to be inundated. It's barbecue, then podcasts. Those are our two main exports in Kansas City. Yep. And um, George Brett. Yeah. Mediocre baseball. Do, who do you think is like an ambassador of Kansas City? Do you think it's... Who's the most famous Kansas Cityan? Undeniably Patrick Mahomes. Oh, see, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I was thinking Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, yeah. He reps Kansas City pretty hard. If we're talking about length of time, mm-hmm. probably Paul Rudd. Yeah. 
if we if we don't account the newness of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, let's say people who were just born in Kansas City. People born in Kansas City. Paul Rudd. It would be sure. Paul Rudd. Yeah. Ant Man himself. Yeah. So locals only. Paul Rudd, thanks for doing your thing. Appreciate it, bud. Local hero. Uh, and with that, I think we just go ahead and get the podcast, podcast started. started. Let's get into it. You've been hearing about it on the internet. You've been hearing about it at your local comic book shop. And we even teased it a few times on our social media. Batman, Three Jokers, a.k.a. DC, oops, all jokers. <laughs> out on DC Black Label by Jeff Jones, Jason Fabuk, Brad Anderson. A little bit of stank on each name. They deserve they it. They deserve it. Three people <laughs> creating this. Three Jokers. And it's going to take us three minutes to talk about it. Most anticipated book of 2020, wouldn't you say? Yes, because it took four years to make. So long. Holy shit. I can't believe it's like actually here. It's the new mutants of comic books, <laughs> as Andy Vargas would say. I love it. Why did it take so long? No clue. Is it because he kept turning? Is it because Jeff Johns kept turning in drafts and it was just like, this? no, Jeff, one. One Joker. Stop trying to make three work. He's like, I'm going to get you one of these years. Eventually folded, yeah. This this book was in development before Black Label even existed. Yeah. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's get into it. Uh, by the name of the book, you can pretty much tell. There are three Jokers. There's three of them. There's three. Literally. I didn't know if it was going to be a literal or figurative thing. Uh, right now, literal. Yeah. By the end, figuratively. <laughs> uh, well, I guess there's still three Jokers. One of them is just post-mortem. Yes. Is that is one gonna die each issue? That's what I'm thinking. Probably. And so then there's no jokers. No more jokers. The only joker is us, the reader, at that point, <laughs> for re- reading three of these books. Got us. Uh, zing. Uh, so basically, the premise of the book is so many heinous crimes have been carried on by this character, the Joker. It can't possibly be one person. And so recently, there have been three crimes that happened concurrently. <laughs> Yes. Right? Yep. So it's even more obvious that they're, they've all got Joker calling cards. Mm-hmm. Who's fake? Who's not? Right. The Bat don't know. Bat don't know. GCPD don't know. Nope. And there's been posers before. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, Bats is uh, treading lightly here. Right. He's not fully convinced. Um, But then we find out there's actually three Jokers from three of the main like big Joker storylines. Did you – how did you react to – the scene where that was revealed that it was there were literally three jokers and they're all talking to each other well i mean it seemed a little surreal you kind of knew what you were getting though by the title of the name right you know it wasn't like midsummer's laughter like that was the title of the book or anything like the title of the book is three jokers you kind of know what you're gonna get it's it's interesting to see them all there like you have the one from long halloween one from the killing joke and, like, the original Batman, or like, the original Joker from, yeah. like, the early, early days. I kind of loved seeing the contrasting styles of each. Oh, it was so fucking it rad. It was so cool. It was amazing. Of the guy in the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, and, like, the wide-brim hat and yes, all that. so great. Um, So, I mean, it was cool to see that. I, I honestly don't know where Jeff's going to go with this. I really don't. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think they're going to have to make, like, a Joker army because they're collecting all this fluid and the chemicals that made Joker in the first place. Yeah. Right. So, and we only have three books to wrap this up. Yeah. My assumption is is that, just like we guessed at the beginning, you're going to have a Joker die per book. So then, then we're left with, like, a real Joker at the end? No. That, like, so we're left with zero Jokers. I think no Jokers. You think this is the death of Joker, then? Right. Because no. this is its own standalone thing. Okay, so is this ra- that's what I was going to ask. This you. is not like canon. It's not a tie-in to Joker War. It's like standalone. Okay. Story. Well, that makes a little more sense then. Right. Because um, that's where I was the most. I guess is it anything on Black Label then? It's going to be its own standalone thing. Standalone thing. Okay. They're pretty encapsulated. So then I'm more interested in how the story plays out. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on it? I actually really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was great. It it read with some, like, real bigness and heaviness. And maybe that was just because it has been so long coming mm-hmm. that <laughs> it was just like, wow, it's here. But the <laughs> way they introduced the characters, mm-hmm. I loved. The fact that you get Bruce pulling up and these black and white flashbacks to the way the Joker hurt him the most. Yeah. And then we see Batgirl and flashbacks to the way Joker has like literally and figuratively scarred her. Mm-hmm. And then the exact same thing with Robin or the new Red Hood. Right. Is that Jason Todd? I think it's a Jason Todd Robin. Yeah. That, that I get all my Robins confused. I'm not like there's a huge, been fifty of them. I'm not a huge DC guy, so it's um it's always mix them up in my brain. I hope the next book on Black Label is called Fifty Robins, and we get one Robin at the end of it. <laughs> they all kill each other. <laughs> they just start strangling one another. <laughs> it's like a uh, I don't know what was the name of that movie with all the orphans on the island. Oh no, that was a um it was a book first, and then it was a movie. And it was called Robin Island. Uh, Lord of the Flies is what we're thinking Lord of. Lord of the Flies. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we read comic books, folks, not real books. I'm surprised we got that pull. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I loved getting introduced to our three main heroes. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your three individual crimes. You're introduced to three individual jokers. Obviously, it's a theme that's just continually running through the book here. Yeah. Seen in the aquarium. Oh, those smiling sharks. Smiling fish and sharks. Very cool. Sinister. <laughs> it's crazy that they like went all in with that gag. Yes. Um, I kind of loved it. Mm-hmm. I love the campiness of it. Well, that's one thing. They brought back some weird characters that were extra campy. And Batman, Robin, Batgirl even made reference to, ah, it's been a while since we've seen like yeah. these goofballs. And like who thought to hire these goons? They're like grade D hooligans. <laughs> the like, Joker. Like, these guys can't stop us. And it's really a literal nod to that era of the Joker that that one Joker represented. So right. I was like, that's really clever. Right, yeah. And those those goons weren't meant to stop anyone. It's right. To, it's to slow him down so the Joker can make his escape. And, of course, we see one of the, the best goons, the original goons from when the Joker first popped in here, our old friend Gaggy. Yeah, Gaggy was in this. <laughs> little Gaggy. We haven't seen Gaggy since uh, 1974. Uh-huh. Gets eaten by a shark. Quickly handled <laughs> old Gaggy. Hashtag R.I.P. Gaggy. Well, I just thought that was so clever because it was like, yeah, if this guy was a villain now, 
he would be done in no time. Right. He's just like a kind of a throwaway little imp. Yeah. Batman's villains now are like the guy in the pig mask. Yeah. <laughs> that like fucked up <laughs> character. Who have syringes for fingers right. and just like yeah. m- murderously kill you over mm-hmm. a week. Totally. Not Gaggy who makes fun of you <laughs> and throws whipped cream pies. There was a scene. I know I'm kind of jumping around a lot, but when we have the Jokers talking. Sure. And they're like reporting to the boss Joker or like the one that apparently seems in charge. The OG. Yes. He, they say like, what are we going to do next? And he's like, do what we always do. Create more Jokers. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Or he says something to that effect. He says uh, it's time to put out a casting call. Yeah. So they're trying to find, essentially, the person that's going to take over for them. Create a better Joker. Yeah. That's what he says. Yes, yes. Not create more. Create a better Joker. So maybe we will be left with one Joker. Maybe we will. Joker Prime. Who's going to be like the encapsulation of all these guys. But I also, I thought that the choice of words, like what we always do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that means in this timeline where this book is set that there have always been these three different Jokers or if his thing has always been to like improve upon himself in being just like a gateway to chaos. Well, I guess and like I guess I forgot the point that the Joker was always against organized crime. Yeah, he hates everything, right? He's like, he yeah, hates I, like anything organized. I guess yeah, he's a pure nihilist, uh-huh. sure. So, like, it was strange that he's also killing mobsters along with police. Like, yeah, I, I just completely forgot about that aspect of the Joker. But, I mean, you, you bring up a point of just, like, how many disposable beta Jokers have – is there, like, filled with, like, some shallow grave in Gotham somewhere? Just like, damn it, this one didn't make it weak. Put him in the ditch. Could be. Could I also say that um, Joe Chill does not stand the test of time as a name for a character? I'll disagree. What? Joe Chill is a pretty boss name, like Andrew Dice Clay. I hate, every time I see it, I'm like, like Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> the Dice Man. <laughs> hey! I think what the idea, like all old comic books. Sure. The bad guys were like. My name's Knuckles and the Clamps. Yeah, like all the names were like puns and stuff. Right, yeah. But so you think- it just turned out to be such an important character. That it's so goofy now to still have that be the a name that's tied to right. these storylines. They unfortunately gave a goofy name to a very pivotal criminal that <laughs> carried on Batman's mythos uh, for just his entirety. And Joe Chill is still in a, uh, uh, a prison right now. He's in Blackgate or whatever. Okay. So. I hope you stay there, Joe. Yeah, I hope you learned your lesson, Joseph. Batman, don't be tempted. Don't go after Joe for retribution. You're bigger. You're bigger and better than that. Mm, you don't need to do that, Bruce. I know what you're thinking, man. Yeah, could he be the fourth Joker, Bruce? Don't even let your Bruce, mind wander there. Bruce, don't. <laughs> I love that bit. Ditto. Uh, <laughs> I also think having Red Hood go through his crisis was kind of the made him the star of the book for me. That. He got hurt by the Joker really brutally. He's goofed on by the Joker for that beating. Mm-hmm. The fact that he took the name Red Hood so he can own that for himself speaks to how much he was hurt by that situation. Right. And at the end of the book, the big stinger, we've talked about the 
this Joker has died, mm-hmm. but Robin has killed him, or Red Hood Robin has killed him by just shooting him with a gun. Yeah, he's very Joe not chill, <laughs> Jason. And him and Barbara kind of get into it too, right? Because she's trying to stop him mm-hmm. and saying, be bigger, Bruce would never do this. Right. So she throws a batarang at his gun, and Jason Todd makes a comment that's like, oh, really, you didn't want me to do that? I've never seen you miss that bad in my life. Yes. And she gets, like, fucking pissed at him and is like, fuck you. I kind of showed my card, but, like, fuck you. Yeah. And, like, did you not get from that scene that the Joker wanted Red Hood to kill him? Oh, totally. He was goading him so hard. He's trying to breed some chaos here. Right. Is Red Hood the greatest Joker of them all? Could be. He basically... So... Joker made Batman mm-hmm. by proxy. Right. And Joker made Red Hood, Jason Todd Red Hood, very directly. Yeah. Like, Jason Todd thinks he is uh, co-opting the name Red Hood. I'm becoming bigger than the name. And Joker was just like, no, 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 no. I knew you were going to do that. Like, I very much own you. I have free rent in your head right now. Yeah. You will never forget me. And, like, that's, like, the biggest fuck you ever. Yeah. I The idea of taking, like... Hurting Batman the most by taking his protege and gradually reverse superheroing him into himself mm-hmm. is like crazy fucked up. Right. Like the fa- and and even to gradually have made that step from Robin to Red Hood to the Joker. It's a little kind poetic. of the same progression that the you know Joker took. Right. If 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 that's where it truly goes, normal guy believes he's doing something good, mm-hmm. starts doing something bad, gets carried away, takes the mantle of a hero, mm-hmm. um, turns into the Joker. If that's how it goes, that's poetry. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I yeah. I we have two more after this. That is the most shocking thing to me. Yeah, that that, that Jeff Jones took five years to write three books. <laughs> Like th- this, he wanted it to be his masterstroke. I don't know. I don't know why it got delayed, or I haven't read that stuff. But yeah, all I'm saying is this slam dunk better go to the core of the earth and just blow up this planet with yeah. how badass it is. Totally. But if it's not in continuity, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. So, um, I'm I'm super excited about it. I maybe I'm not super excited about it, but it got me intrigued enough to uh be interested for two more books. Totally, and I think what well, it was like six ninety nine. Yeah, was, was it, that the price of it? It's a it, little beefier. It's a yeah larger book. It definitely seemed to me like it could have been a ten dollar book. You think so? I think so. I was kind of impressed by the price point. Well, okay, that's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, DC could have easily done that. Just made it ten bucks, and people would have probably still paid it. This might be the highest revenue generating DC book this year. The uh, well, it made the number one selling book of last week, which is no shocker to anyone. No, not at all. And I think you're right. It may be one of DC's top selling books. I think like 250,000 copies got ordered or something. Mm-hmm. When you think about that at like seven bucks a pop. Yeah. It's a lot of fucking money. They're going to make up for those three COVID months. Yeah. In no time. <laughs> and it was crazy. This Each book has three variants. And you know. Yeah. You know. Batman heads and Joker freaks are going to want every variant of this book. Well, the conversation we just had about Robin makes me interested in the cover that I got, which is the Joker 
either taking off or putting on the like red hood mask. Oh, is it a sunrise or a sunset? We right. don't know. Yeah. It's very cool. It's I I I don't know. You got me for two more, DC. Right. You 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 played it smart with the lick tie <laughs> method of I'll give it three. Yeah. And so, uh, do you have any other thoughts on Joker Trice? No, I think that does it for me. Um. Okay. So that was our thoughts on Joker three. Yeah. Three the Jokers. Three the Jokers. The Jokers Trace. <laughs> the jo- the three Joker amigos. Yes. Three laugh amigos. Thank you. Uh, well, that's all the books we're going to cover this week because we have, um, at the end of this episode, a very special interview with our good friend, Zach Quaintance. He just got a book kickstarted called Next Door. You still have time to go back it um, up until Friday. Uh, we talked to him about you know, the process of getting a book kickstarted and what Kickstarter's like and what's it like to write a comic for the first time. And it was really great. He sat down with us. Um, we have a longer episode of the interview on the Patreon where he sat down and talked uh, first issue first, where I got to ask him some funny uh, <laughs> questions at the end, and he was a good sport about that. So if you want to check out that, go to the Patreon. If not, we'll have links to his Kickstarter and his page. Um, anything else, Mike? Uh, hmm. Is there anything else that I want to get into? Anything on your on your brain? We covered one Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the second Joker we talked about. Okay, so yeah, we have two Jokers. Do we have time for a third? And there was last. We did talk about the third Joker. I don't think there was any other Jokers I wanted to talk about. Steve Miller. I know there's more. There's a Smoker. Toker. Midnight Toker. <laughs> Maurice. I think I'm good. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us on First Issue Club. Join us next week where we talk about, you guessed it, First More Issues. issues. with an exclusive interview with our good friend, Zach Quaintance. Zach's here to talk about his uh, inaugural comic book out on Kickstarter right now. And we wanted to talk to him about his experience in the comic book industry and his experience writing a comic book for the first time. So uh, without further ado, Zach, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to uh, to talk to you about my book. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you and talk about it. Um, So a little background you write for a comic book website called Comic Book Bookcase, and you also contribute to the Comic Beat. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Comics Bookcase is my my site that I started, so I kind of edit, oversee, and write for that. It um, used to be a one man show, and and we've kind of picked up a lot more contributors of late, which has been nice. Yeah. And then at the same time, I I work as a staff writer for Comics Beat, which does. My site does a little bit more reviews and analysis and opinion-based stuff, and yeah. Comics Beat's kind of all breaking news, which is a fun challenge to take on. So how did how did you find yourself in that position? And I know that you probably studied journalism in schooling. Did you just kind of just, you know, I love comic books, I love journalism, let's just combine these two things? 
Uh, that is exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a career journalist, so I've worked for newspapers. Um, I worked for my college newspaper. I majored in it. Uh, my most recent job is for a, a trade journal that covers the way like local and state government uses technology, which I think anyone listening is probably thinking that's boring, and it is. <laughs> uh, so when I started doing that job, um, I thought, you know, I want to have some fun with this as well. And also, I thought that comics could use just more people with an actual journalism background who aren't just like, I really like Batman. I want to cover Batman news, you know. So right. I figured I could contribute that way. <laughs> well, you know, like, since we cover comic books so much, we also read a lot of comic book reviews. And so often you get people who don't really have the background in journalism that try to write reviews about comic books. And it kind of comes off as like, you know, a little, a little shallow and like Batman's fun and cool. And like, that's the whole review. But the great thing about uh, you and your site is you have these really in-depth and kind of thought provoking pieces that, um, you know, really enrich the comic book experience. So uh, kudos you. to you for that. I really appreciate that. So tell me a little bit about your book and kind of how it all came together. Yeah, absolutely. The book is called Next Door. It's a crime comic one shot um, that has to do basically with a, a privileged couple. Like they're kind of settling down, buying their first house uh, in an up and coming neighborhood. And they don't really think about it. They just think, oh, this looks cool and move in and kind of don't trust their neighbors. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and chaos starts to ensue from that. And we started making this book in the very early days of lockdown. And um, we didn't plan it this way, but kind of looking back at it, I kind of realized that I was spending all this time in my neighborhood. That was the only place I was going. And I also felt like there was danger around every corner <laughs> just because of the nature of the pandemic. Right, I yeah. thought that when I'd see someone sort of like walking down the street, like, because I didn't know if they were sick, they were mm -hmm. wearing a mask, anything, you know? Right. Um, so I think that's where the idea for like, let's take a crime comic and put it in, put it where people live, live. Mm -hmm. came from. So you said you, you kind of like were, were starting it during the, the early moments of the lockdown and everything. How much, I guess I don't want to give you like to have you spoil it or anything, but I mean, how much of it in, uh, influenced it? Yeah. So it never would have happened without the lockdown. I don't, I quite honestly, like I, the artist is a friend of mine, uh, Pat Scott. And, yeah. um, he was like, I'm stuck at home. Are you stuck at home? I was like, yeah, I'm stuck <laughs> at home. <laughs> and let's make a comic. And it, it went from there. When the lockdown started, basically, it was time, you know? Um, right, yeah. <laughs> you had nothing but time. <laughs> nothing but time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, so much time. <laughs> so with, with putting it out on Kickstarter, like, how do you guys share the load or, or you know, share the, the, the accolades? Um, so we, there's a, it's a big decision, I think, to even decide if you want to take what you're working on and kickstart it. Um, so like what, basically what, how we got there was Pat and I originally just conceived of a five to seven page black and white crime comic with no sort of discussion on how we were going to publish it. Like, mm -hmm. I think we we're kind of thinking maybe we'll, we'll make this a web comic. We'll just make it online for free. Yeah. Um, and then we were, after we did the first five to seven pages, we loved what we had. Like we had a really good um, collaborative relationship. Like we, we were really working well together. And so we just started talking bigger ideas. And all of a sudden I had a script that was 30 pages long. And then it came time to be like, how are we going to get this made? And that's when um, <laughs> neither one of us having worked with any established publishers 
before, and we really wanted to get this story out as fast as we could, um, to as many people as we could, and that's why Kickstarter, I think, was a really good fit for us. It lets you do those things. Now, you, you said it kind of like snowballed into a bigger story. Is this kind of a one-shot, one deal, or do you guys have plans for other issues of this story you, you have planned? Yeah. Um, so this is a, it's, it's definitely a contained story. There's a very, uh, I think, satisfying beginning, middle, and end to it and to the mm-hmm. characters. But uh, the, I really like sort of the sensibility we have, this kind of like taking ordinary people and circumstances and exaggerating them with like total chaos. Right. Um, and so I could definitely see it, and I definitely hope it becomes something a little bit like Ice Cream Man. Um, okay, with, yeah. An anthology where each, each issue you start with entirely new characters, sometimes entirely new genres, and it has like this unified sensibility. Like, you know what an issue of Ice Cream Man feels like. It's sinister. It like uh, can kind of terrorize you in different ways. And I think we'd like to do something like that with Nextdoor, where it's like you take these ordinary situations and have the danger start creeping in and exaggerate it to 11 as as they say yeah (laughs) well i think 2020 has taught us there's nothing really ordinary (laughs) anymore and chaos is around every corner constantly absolutely yeah i think that might be in the back of my head just a little bit (laughs) (laughs) it makes me just terrified of what 2021 has in store for us but hopefully it's it's a lot better and there's still um, four months of this year left. Oh, don't remind me. I'm just trying to, uh, my my wife's pregnant and we're due in January. So I'm just trying to get through 2020 hey, in one piece. So thank you very much. Yeah, we're yeah. very excited. Hopefully it doesn't come out with devil horns, but if it does, we'll love it just huh? the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as, as you being a comic book um, reviewer and critiquer, are you interested to see how your work is reviewed by other people in your um, line of work? Quite honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, next I, question. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I, I am, but I, I like, I'm terrified of that. Quite honestly, of like, yeah. what, what happens when? I mean, I'm not shy about sharing my work. Like, I want everybody to read it, but I'm, I probably won't even read the reviews. Like, I just don't. Uh, I'm just terrified of, of people who don't uh, know me or whatever, just taking right. kind of a cold cold evaluative uh look at my work which i think sounds a little like hypocritical because that's what i do (laughs) but uh, uh, But, like none of your work has been vicious in any way possible or any any of the things that i've read anyway i well i yeah i take it i don't think every site does this in fact i know a lot of sites don't but i always look at it as sort of don't punch downward like i'm not for sure I'm not going to take somebody's kickstarter comic i'm not even going to take somebody's comic with image or aftershock or something like that uh where they don't have a lot of resources behind it and rip it to pieces like but if it's a big two event comic where they have this entire corporate structure and like a whole line behind it i'm a little more uh i'll be a little harsher on those kind of books so are you telling me you're sharpening your knife for x of swords here just to kind of cut it to shreds <laughs> i actually i was thinking about heroes in crisis when i said that. <laughs> oh no okay well what can you do um what's the process been like from writing these weekly reviews to like just the process of constructing a story for a comic to be distributed like is there a different way you write or uh, approach the process yeah absolutely i mean i don't i like i think there's a little bit of overlap in when the the commonality between them is you're hyper aware of your audience so like when i'm writing a comic review i'm thinking of my audience much in the same way as when i was writing this story i was thinking about the type of person who might read it the the type of person i i would hoped would read it um so I think that really helped, like having that experience. 
but I've also written like this might be my first comic, but I wrote short stories for like many, many years and published okay. a few um, short stories in prose. And so it was kind of returning to those muscles and just kind of using them in a more collaborative way. Because when I was doing the short story writing, it was all I was in charge of everything. I didn't have a partner, obviously. Right. Um, but with this, it's really true what they say. Your script is not for public consumption. It's directly in exchange with one other person. Right. We uh, so many times I've gotten those like like director's cut comic books where you see the script and then like how the artist interprets the script or whatever in a comic book and it <laughs> I kudos to you for writing a comic book script because I could never do that because my brain just doesn't you know function or Tetris that way and so uh, I yeah. can only imagine how it it's hard and I think I think what really helped us was we started with the five to seven pages so we had like when I when we wrote when I wrote those, there was a lot of back and forth. Like, what do you think of this? Does this work for you? And then I got to see the way Pat responded to my script and, and the right. way the art came out of it. So then when it came time, I would just say that like the other two thirds of the book went a lot smoother. Like we already had this established. I knew how he was going to interpret my script. I knew what sort of approach he was taking visually and it became a lot easier. Um, and so I, like, I think that was a lot of insight into these like writer artist teams that work together so well because they've been doing it for years. Like right. I really have a good handle on why that is now versus somebody, a first collaboration, you know? Well, sounds like you got pretty lucky. Yeah, no, we had similar sensibilities. Um, definitely. I think that's a good thing about working with your friends. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you are distributing this through Kickstarter. What has that process been like? Would you, um suggest it to other creators to to get out their product or has it been kind of a, a learn as you go situation it is one it's been definitely i think the answer to that is yes to both of those things like i would suggest it to others but it is a learn as you go like process like um i there i've sort of underestimated for years how important marketing and promotion is to comics uh, mm -hmm. and how much of that burden sort of falls on uh the creators and I really underestimated that. I thought um, there, it's just a really complicated thing to try to connect your work with the people who are going to, to love it. Right. Um, and so that's what I've really had to figure out. Like when we started, I had, I didn't, we, we produced this like four page sequence that I think is a pretty good representation of our book. Like it lets you know the characters and the plot and like what they're sort of concerned about. And before we started, I was like, we don't need to share all of that. <laughs> from, I don't know. I don't know why. I just thought it was giving away too much or something. Right. But I quick by like day six. I was like, we got to share all of this. People need to understand what this book is. I'm getting way too many questions. About Give them my blood type. I don't care. I just want yeah. this to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and I think that's what I, that's the lesson I learned the most is like with promoting a Kickstarter, like anything else, you need to kind of overshare about your book like as much as possible. Like. Uh, with these sort of DIY approaches to publishing, like you need to get out um, as thorough an explanation of what your work is and who might like it as possible so that those people can find it. Well, I mean, it makes complete sense because this really is like just a labor of love for you and your creative team. Like it's essentially this, your, your child that you bore to the world. You're just like, please love this thing. And let me tell you why you should love this thing. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> That's why people like, like I, I can never talk too much about it either. You know, like I'm always happy to talk more about it because of that. Yeah. Um, so 
you, you, you mentioned earlier that you also not only review comic books, but review technology and like how governments use technology. Have you ever found yourself like uh, mixing up stories? Like you mentioned Batman too much in your, uh, your technology stories or vice versa? I'm always, I'm always tempted to, cause whenever there's like something going wrong, I'm always tempted to sneak crisis into my headlines. <laughs> my day job, like, uh, I think crisis. nowadays it'd be fine. <laughs> crisis of infinite it shops or something like that <laughs> um i don't know everyone like i think a lot of uh big two comics especially are good touch points like when i'm trying to explain something really dry like technology if i can use a batman or x-men reference i do and right. like, people get those i mean everybody gets those at this point oh sure i mean you know the zeitgeist has encompassed them 100 so if you say wolverine or batman i think people have a clear image of who those people are yeah absolutely i'd, I'd love to use more of those references <laughs> i say go for it i'm not i know i'm not your editor but i say go ahead and go for it all right i'll take that into consideration next <laughs> get time, right? more nerds into to tech news yeah well i mean there's a lot of overlap i think as well like it people um, oh i'm sure not yeah to, not to stereotype them but they do, <laughs> they do enjoy a good comic <laughs> like the Venn diagram definitely overlaps for sure. Yeah. Um, so next door, it ends. Uh, the Kickstarter is the final ending on Friday. Is that the, oh, what day is that? September? September 4th. 4th? Um, noon Eastern, yeah. Noon Eastern time. So go check it out. It's kickstarter.com. The project is Next Door Comic. Is that how they find it, Zach, correct? Yeah, they, you can go to Kickstarter, just search next door, and we'll be the second reference that comes up because there's like an erotic manga called The Neighbor Next Door that comes up first. Nice. Not, not our book. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't get confused. We're the second one. <laughs> or if you want, back both, but back Zach's first. <laughs> yeah, I, I was complaining about this on Twitter about how they were getting the first hit for next door. And some guy responded, hey, that, that manga looks excellent. Do you know if it's good? I don't know if it's good. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I didn't write it. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Uh, so go check it out. Go fund it. It's a great book by a great guy, Zach. We're talking to him. Um, is there anything else you want to say to to our audience about the book, about why they should pick it up, and um, why you know they'll enjoy it so so very much? I think it's. A, I think it's. I think we've done a really good job with it. Obviously, I wouldn't be taking it to Kickstarter if I wasn't really confident people would like it. Um, and I think it's a good, like, if you like crime comics, if you like Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' work, or Greg Rucka, or writers like that, I think you'll really find a lot to like with this comic. Uh, and I think, like, writing about comics so much, um, I think I've been able to make something that can appeal to maybe people who don't always, aren't just strictly comics fans. Like, if you have any interest in the medium whatsoever outside of superheroes, I think we have a good book for you. Right. And I was just going to say that your book kind of a, appeals to people that like maybe scared away by comic books because they think it's all capes and, you know, Batman and Superman flying around. This is a very much down to earth, like a, an evil that is far more cryptic than Lex Luthor or anything like that. It's just the, the evilness of, of humans themselves. Yeah. Sort of like of, of misunderstandings and miscommunications almost. Right. And, which is, you know, rampant nowadays and it's all over the media. So I think, you know, this is going to be a great hit for you guys. I can't wait to see what uh, else you guys put out afterwards. I hope you put out, um, like you said, a few more anthology books of this kind of world, these characters, and um, I wish you guys nothing but success. And I hope everyone listening goes and checks out Next Door out on Kickstarter. Um, 
Zach, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you have anything else to say, where if you want to be found, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Comics Bookcase and uh, ComicsBookcase.com if you want to check out my reviews and cover your comics. Yeah, what you do, because they're fantastic. Um, Zach, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we have a few more questions left for you, but that's for the Patreon people. Other than that, um, we'll talk to you guys later. This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T.